and welcome to this episode of the Hospice News Elevate podcast. My name is Jim Parker. I'm editor of Hospice News. Today is Kaylee Mormon, a registered nurse and director of hospice for the nonprofit senior lifestyle provider Knut Nelson in Alexandria, Minnesota. And today we'll be talking about the ways that clinical quality goes hand in hand with the hospice's business objectives. Kaylee, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Jim. So I wondered if first you could kind of introduce us to your organization, Knut Nelson, the size of your census, the types of communities you serve, and the types of services that you offer. Absolutely. So currently we have a census of about 105, and we serve rural communities throughout the Midwest, Minnesota area. And so we have a a large territory that we serve. It's about two and a half hours to three hours apart from each other if we go end to end. And we have um, two different branches currently. We have a branch in Alexandria, Minnesota, and a branch in Wadena, Minnesota. And then we kind of stem out from there for the patients and territories that we serve. And we've got a variety of different ancillary services. Obviously, we offer the core services that all hospices offer. And then in addition, we offer therapeutic music, essential oils, healing touch therapy, which is definitely something a little bit different. And I know not not a lot of hospices offer that therapy, but we had um, a healing touch therapist come to us and ask us if she could volunteer her services with us. So she started volunteering and we found it so beneficial to our patients that we brought it into our services as a paid service through our hospice agency. So we're really proud of that one. And then in addition to that, we we do pet therapy. And something that we found really beneficial most recently is um, we have animated cats and dogs. And so for our Alzheimer's patients that we have, we have found those really beneficial to them because it brings back old memories if they have love for pets or just that, that, that healing through that touch, through that soft touch and that sweet animal that you maybe used to have back in your day. We've found great benefit from that. Excellent. Thank you. And can you talk about how Knut Nelson has fared during the pandemic and how did you need to adapt in order to respond to the outbreak? Yeah. So we've adjusted in a lot of different ways. Zoom and Teams have become our norm now. And video visits were, they were often difficult due to the primary nurse. You know, it's hard to get a full assessment by video, but we really had to make adjustments to our practice. And um, a lot of the facilities were, especially initially when COVID started, they weren't letting us into their facilities because of the unknown. They didn't know, you know, how fast COVID was going to spread throughout their facilities and whatnot. So that piece of the the skilled nurse visit doing their assessment via Zoom was a little bit difficult, but they definitely got used to it and are pros at it now. Um, fortunately, we're back in the swing of things with being allowed into all of our facilities that we see patients in with the norm of testing weekly. We test all of our staff weekly right now, and we go, we test dependent upon what the percentage levels of positive cases are in the communities. And so right now we're testing once a week, and we were at two times a week, and we just really build that into our clinician schedules. And so they just go and test and then go out and see their patients. Rapid tests have been a blessing to us as well. And then another huge thing that we we have realized during this pandemic, we realized something that we didn't know we needed was the face-to-face via Zoom for the provider providing those face-to-face visits via Zoom. It's so beneficial to have that option because the nurse can be there 
explaining, you know, what's going on with the patient while the provider is, is seeing the patient via Zoom. And that's been a tremendous blessing to us. Like I said, it's something that we didn't know we needed, but it opens up our medical directors to a lot of opportunities in our schedule, admitting patients sooner because they can do a face-to-face visit via Zoom or FaceTime or whatever it may be. So that has been, that has been something that was challenging initially, but has been a blessing. And, you know, the more challenging part, I would say, is in home and community-based services, our staff doesn't get to see each other the way it is. Even before COVID started, team meetings took place and, you know, our IDTs, we all gathered for those, but now we obviously can't do the gatherings, and so that's over Zoom or Teams as well. So I think that's what our staff has found most challenging is the inability to get together as a team and talk through different things. Now it has to be over FaceTime or Zoom. But nonetheless, we all get to see each other. So so we're very thankful for the opportunities that the COVID pandemic has given us. As we can see, you know, obviously there's a light at the end of the tunnel now, and we can see different areas that we weren't necessarily able to see before COVID hit. Thank you. And so we've spoken before about uh, your dedication to clinical quality. Could you say a little bit about how clinical quality improvement intersects with a hospice's business objectives? Yes. So my first thought to that question is that if a hospice program doesn't focus on quality, the objectives should be adjusted somehow. However, you know, reviewing data, chart audits, family patient follow-ups, all of that takes time, resources, and staff. Um, you know, and more staff may be needed to hire, to maybe needed to be hired to complete these tasks, which ultimately add to the budget that's created for a hospice program. So whether it's investing in database programming to help provide the best care possible to patients or adding additional staff to help beef up, beef up your QAPI program, focusing on problem resolution and implementation of new plans to improve quality scores. All of that costs money and adds to the bottom line budget. However, these methods are so important because ultimately it's improving the care your hospice provides and that will improve your quality scores. So when referral sources start putting more focus on the quality scores, you know, choosing the hospice that they're going to refer to because of those quality scores, we are going to need to to take that prime to take our primary focus and put it on the focus of quality. How can we get our quality scores up so we can provide better care for our patients and we can get those referrals as a hospice agency versus the competitors that we face? And how do you measure your performance when it comes to quality? Do you rely on the mandated CMS quality measures or do you involve other metrics as well? Yes, so we do rely on the CMS quality measures. We have implemented different varieties of performance improvement projects as well added to our QAPI program. The first one is um, we follow up with families after admission. So we typically do a follow up. And when I say we, our regional managers, so the ones who manage, who directly manage the clinical staff, follow up with families after the admission, the families or the patient, to see how the admission went. We want to make sure that they have everything in place. We want to make sure that they've got the medications that they need, all of the DME that they need, the supplies. Maybe they have some questions that they were way too overwhelmed at the admission 
to even think about asking that they have questions, you know, they have questions now. So we put a performance plan in place for that. And our, our we have recognized that our scores have gone up. Um, obviously, we follow that in sloppy. And then again, after the patient passes away, we always want to follow up with the family members. And typically, it's our social workers that follow up with the family members after the patient passes away, whether it be via phone call or in person, whatever the family would like, we provide for them. And just to make sure that, again, they have everything that they need, they have their spiritual cares, or they have their spiritual needs met, and we will follow up. We'll have our our nurse follow up if they ask for that. We'll have our spiritual care providers follow up with that. Anything that the patient needs or that the patient or family needs, we put into place for them. And then we also use a program called Muse to help us focus on the quality of care that we provide for our patients. And so... What Muse does is it's a, it's a relatively new program and we just implemented it at the end of November. And the whole goal of Muse is to help provide quality care to patients earlier at the end of life. So Muse, it really takes the data that our nurses put into our EMR and it pulls data points out. And so it's, you know, it's pulling words out. So say if the nurse writes in her narrative that the patient is weaker, weaker will be pulled out and it'll elevate them up on our list to potentially change that visit frequency. So they're seen more often. In addition, it also looks at the medication list to see if we've adjusted medications that help with shortness of breath. So say the patient is on morphine originally three times a day as scheduled, and now we're adding a PRN dose in there every four hours because their shortness of breath has increased. This program helps pull that data out and helps us realize the need to adjust their visit frequency orders. And so in turn, that really has helped us focus on our quality of care for the patients because it's increasing those visit frequencies earlier versus later when we typically probably would have increased. So it's, you know, it's telling us that this patient is likely to pass away within 14 days. You should increase your visit frequency to four times a week. And then when they're likely to pass away in 10 days, you should increase your visit frequency to seven days a week. So we kind of have that that program for us that is seeing something beyond what the nurse, the nurse's eyes can see. It's helping pull all of that data together for us. So that's been another way that we've been able to really pull in that quality piece. And we've seen our quality scores improve because of the fact that we're getting out there and seeing our patients more towards the end of life earlier. And how do you leverage uh, your quality data when negotiating with potential payers and referral partners? Sure. So what we do is we compare our scores to our competition, basically. So our the competing processes, you know, we look at what, what their scores are compared to ours. And, you know, sometimes they're in the same neighborhood. And so if that piece isn't something that we can look at when we're, when we're negotiating with referral partners, we can throw into the benefits of this database programming that we're using right now in order to increase those visits early at the end of life. And so, you know, when looking at our scores compared to the national average for visits in the last seven days of life, 
we're at about 15 visits in the last seven days of life. The national average for any other hospice agency throughout the United States is at about 5.88 visits in the last seven days of life. So that's another way that we're able to show them, hey, we are providing this excellent care. We're providing extra care to patients at the end of life. Refer to us because we're going to be there more. And can you speak to some of the strategies that Knute Nelson has pursued in terms of improving clinical quality? Absolutely. So, you know, we talked about our after-admission phone calls. Managers are very involved in the care of the patient. So our regional managers meet with our clinical staff often, once a week, once every other week. It just is dependent upon what the, the clinician requests. But they talk about their caseloads at that time. And so the, the managers are very involved in that patient care, which it gives the clinician a different insight on that patient focus. So sometimes the nurse is very focused on one area of care for the patient because they've seen this patient so often, they, you know, they can't see outside maybe this wound that this patient has. But then, you know, another set of eyes coming in, another RN coming in and saying, let's talk about this patient as a whole. How can we, you know, how can we help this patient as a whole? That has really helped our um, clinical quality. And then oftentimes, if families call in or patients call in, they'll directly speak to a manager if their case manager is busy. So again, they're always getting somebody on the other end of the phone, which we have found that's a huge, huge important piece to patients and families. When they're calling, they don't want to leave a message. Something, if they're calling, it's important. So being able to have somebody answer their question when they call is extremely important. During business hours, not during business hours, 24-7, getting somebody on the other end of the line is, is very important to us and to the patients and their families. And then, you know, just going back to the manager piece, it allows opportunities for the manager to ask probing questions about how things are going and not only focusing on that patient care, but how are their loved ones doing? How are their caregivers doing? Do we need to look, you know, look for a respite stay for this patient because their caregiver is having some burnout? And so it's looking at the patient as a whole and their family as a whole. That really has helped improve, improve our clinical quality. Excellent. Thank you. And, uh, the recently, um, CMS recently uh, proposed its hospice rule for 2022, and the agency uh, has proposed to add hospice star ratings to its Care Compare website, where, where it includes the publicly reported quality data. What does would that mean for hospices in terms of the importance of quality measurement and improvement? Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. And I think, you know, whether the hospice, or the proposed hospice rule for 2020 gets passed now or it gets passed later, we know it will eventually get passed and it will eventually get into that final rule. So I think we all need to start planning for the change now. We need to focus on our quality scores. We need to um, figure out, you know, whether it's putting those data-driven programs to determine the best care for our patients. You know, a nurse's mind and skills are excellent, but to have that additional support from a data source that's pulling information from a nurse's documentation to help them provide better care for the patient is very important. And then, you know, as a patient, they have a right to choose which hospice agency they want to go with. And, you know, 
there's not a lot of information out there right now between hospice agencies on what is the best hospice agency, and that's decided by the customers, essentially. You know, we can promote our hospice agency and say that we're the best, and our competitors can promote their hospice agency and say they're the best, but what are the customers saying? What are the people that we are serving say about us? And I think it's so fair for them to be able to compare the hospice agencies side by side to see which one is a better fit for them. You know, ultimately, the great care that a hospice program is providing to their patients is going to be what matters. And there shouldn't be a change in the care that the hospice program is providing their patients if they're already providing great care. So, you know, I foresee implementing additional, you know, for our our hospice program in specifically, I foresee implementing additional performance improvement plans into the QAPI program and not only pulling in managers to do those, but pulling in the field staff as well. They are on the front line. They are seeing and hearing what patients and families are saying. And so we want to pull them in to help us put focus on the areas that need to be improved upon. And then education. We always go back to education. And so continuous clinician education is something we do and will continue to do. We're always looking to improve. If you're a hospice agency and you're not looking to improve, you're doing something wrong. And so if you say, you know, we're fine where we're at, you know, this is great. We're, we're doing what we need to do. We don't need to improve. Something is wrong. You know, you should always be looking to improve upon something. And so pulling these areas out, whether it be, you know, focusing on, on it in your copy program or, or a database program that's going to help you determine how you can better care for your patients. Those are all ways that you're essentially your quality scores are going to improve because you are providing that better care at the end of the day for the patients that you serve. Excellent. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for your insights today. It's been great talking to you. And I would also like to thank everyone who tuned in and listened to this podcast. Please take care and and stay safe. Thank you, Jim. Have a great day. You too.